Hi, I'm Reagan, and thanks for listening to my dad's podcast, Lasting Learning. Welcome to Lasting Learning, the podcast that was started because I thought I had things to say. The podcast that continues to grow because we've learned that your stories matter more. Welcome to Lasting Learning, where we explore great people doing extraordinary things, sharing with us the lasting lessons they've learned along the way. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Lasting Learning Podcast. Today is going to be a fun episode, but I'm going to start off by creeping out our guest. I'm going to say some things that she has no idea I'm about to say. I have driven through this guest's hometown probably 50 times throughout the course of her life, and she has no idea. It, it kind of feels like I'm kind of a, a creepy stalker. I follow her online. I'm driving through her hometown, but we're just talking for the first time today. So before the restraining order is put out on me, let's sit down and have an amazing conversation. Let's get to know Emily Pascal a little bit. Emily, thank you so much for joining us. Wow. What an intro. And I have so many questions. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so let me unpack all that first, Emily, just so, just so you yeah. know. So Northern Alabama, I don't know if you're comfortable with me actually saying the town, but I, I will. Oh, yeah. That's okay. All right. So the Athens, Alabama area. So for anybody that has ever gone on spring break in the panhandle of Florida or Orange Beach, Alabama, you're driving down I-65 and you get to out the Alabama state line, you see the big rocket ship and you think, I'm almost there. Ha ha ha. No, that is God's little joke telling you you've got six hours still to drive. So I advise you stop at exit 351. Because exit 351 in Athens, Alabama is going to be your last stop to see civilization until you hit the beach. So Athens, Alabama, exit 351 has gotten me through so many road trips back when I used to live in Michigan and drive down to Florida, where I now live. So thank you, because of your hospitality, (laughs) I was able to make it down here and call this home because I had a good experience. So Athens, Alabama. Yeah. That is so funny. I love it. That's so funny. So uh, you're, you're an Athens, Alabama girl going out there and just doing amazing things in the world of education and in life. So Emily, can you explain to people who you are, what you do? I already told them where you are. So just anything else you want people to know about you? Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. I am, yes, I live in Athens, Alabama. I am currently an assistant principal at an elementary school, and I just started at a new school this past week. And, but for the past few years, I've been an assistant principal, was in another school previously. Before that, I was um, a district coach and I got to travel to all the schools in a school system and work with teachers on instruction. And before that, I taught first, third, and fifth grade. So big elementary backgrounds, um, very, very passionate about education as a whole. So I'm going to ask a lot of education questions um, in just a minute. Um, First, I want to unpack some more of the, the you questions, the, the education yeah. questions, just so you know, I was a middle school guy for most of my career. 
but then mm -hmm. spent some time as an elementary principal in Florida where things are done completely different. Panhandle, Florida, AKA Southern Alabama, um, where things are done completely different than what I was used to up North. So I'm going to be asking a lot of questions about, about the way that education is done down here in the South, but first get to know you a little bit. Athens, Alabama, unless people are driving South and stopping for a pit stop, people don't necessarily know about Athens, Alabama. What is it known for? And why is that home for you? Well, is that, a, is that like the cotton. question? You're like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's known for cotton. I mean, we were excited to get a Starbucks a few, a few years ago. So, and my accent is thick. It's known for thick accents. So, you know, we are known for uh, the phrase, bless your heart and uh, slow, slow, slow Southern talk. Um, but it's a really good, it's a really good town. But yeah, I didn't start living there until I was 15. I lived in Birmingham before that. But Athens, Alabama, for the listeners, is on the Tennessee line. It's we're we're north central Alabama. Gotcha. So think Space yeah. Camp, Huntsville area, right? Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so that it, it is. Yep. It's a it's a beautiful place to live. Uh, amazing people. Yeah. It is where you really have established yourself in your career and your identity. Yeah. And where you really learned how to, to shape your craft as an educator and as a teacher and where you're continuing to shape it mm -hmm. and evolve it and grow it. So let's jump into some of that real quick, if that's okay. Elementary is where yeah. your heart is and where your experience is. I, God bless you. As a middle school person, I know most people, when I say I'm a middle school person, like, ooh, how can you handle that? That's how I feel about elementary people. There, there's so much shoe tying and yeah. not wiping and all the things. First of all, God oh, yeah. bless you for doing it. And you do it with a smile and energy. If anybody's not following you online on Instagram stuff, you will blow their mind with your positive energy that you are just exuding every single oh. day. Is that real and authentic or is it scripted for the camera? Oh no, it's not, it's not scripted. It's real. I mean, I feel like I try to put out there, you know, what a day in the life is. And if we can't bring positive energy to school, then what is our purpose? I mean, we get to get kids excited about learning. So every day should come with a smile and with excitement and um, kids deserve that. And we owe it to them. There you go. I, I agree. But for you as an adult in an mm -hmm. assistant principal position at an elementary school, so first of all, let me, let me yeah. unpack this for you, Emily, if you, if you might not be aware. Yep. North of the Mason-Dixon, there's not a whole lot of assistant principals in elementary schools. That's oh. the thing. Yeah, I, I know, right? That was a, a new thing yeah. for me to, to get used to down here in the South. But in the South, it's common, pra common practice. There are assistant principals. Assistant principals tend to be middle schools and high schools, and they tend to be in charge of discipline and a bunch of miscellaneous tasks. Is that what your role looks like? No, not at all. So <laughs> now, explain to do, people what an elementary yeah. assistant principal is. Um, I would say we wear a lot of hats and my role as an assistant principal is to support teachers. That's my number one role. And so whatever I'm doing is needing to make teachers lives better and easier or help them to see what they're made of, you know, whatever that is so that kids um, are better supported. So no, I am not a um, discipline, you know, I mean, yes, that's a piece of what I do of working with kids to better themselves, but no, I mean, it is heavy in working with curriculum. What are we teaching every single day? I love to go and teach lessons um, with teachers. 
Um, it's a lot of culture building and community building and building relationships with parents and um, yes, yeah, safety and management of the school is a piece of it. But if we are only doing that, we are never going to help every kid reach their best. And so it is much more than the management side. Well, before this, you were, okay, so this is your second stint as an assistant principal. You were an assistant principal in another mm -hmm. building. We can talk about that transition in just a second. But prior to that, you were yeah. a coach. What is the difference between a mm -hmm. coach and an assistant principal? Mm, oh, that's a great question. Um, well, as a coach, you, uh, I was, it, that was an a interesting job because I went from the classroom to being a district coach. And so I got to work with a lot of different principals and a lot of different, uh, leadership styles. And so as a coach, um, you hope that you're with the principal where you're going to work really well together. And that that principal is going to set you up to be able to properly coach a teacher, but it's up to the principal to start that process. It's not up to the coach. And so, you know, that is, that's the difference is in my role. Now I get to work closely with the coach and make sure that she is really supported and set up for success when she goes in to work with the teachers that need some support. Did you, did you feel like as a coach, it was easier or more difficult for teachers to be vulnerable with you? Because as, a, as an administrator, I've, I've heard many administrators say that it's hard for teachers to put down their guard and to not always try to roll out the mm -hmm. red carpet and pull out the special file cabinet, uh, the file folder from the file cabinet with the special lesson anytime an administrator comes in because they might have the clipboard or the iPad or they're doing a formal observation. Mm -hmm. But with the coach, they're there just to stand beside them. Did you find it easier for teachers to lay, let down their, their guard for you in that prior role or is it are you just amazing at what you do and teachers are open and, and deal with you all the time um mm, I don't I don't know that it was easier no I don't think it was easier I think it's about the right relationships and I think it's about now if um I am not a fan of going in with a clipboard and making people feel uncomfortable, you know, unless it's a, sometimes there's a formal observation and you let the teacher know ahead of time, like, hey, I'm going to come in and observe you for an hour. I understand that. But the majority of times we visit classrooms, why do we need to stand in the back of the room? Why can't we be a kid? And um, so letting the teachers know, building that relationship with them and when they know that you're not going to ask them to do anything, you're not willing to do yourself. And when you start teaching lessons with them and co-teaching and they see that you're willing to be vulnerable they'll be more vulnerable. And so it's just about them seeing that it's truly a support system and not a compliance system. Because just because you step, as an assistant principal, you are still a coach. <laughs> you know, that is one of your hats. And so I don't think that that ever needs to leave you as an administrator. I think you still need to have that coach uh, mentality of I am trying to help you become your best and I will be with you every step of the way. Love it. So as an assistant principal, wanting to mo mm -hmm. model vulnerability. Where are you still trying to grow? Ooh. Um, one of the areas that I'm, that is a great question. But right now, that, like I'm, I'm like a, I don't even know. My, my wheels right now are constantly spinning because I'm, I'm truly one weekend to this new school. And so um, one of the areas that I'm trying to grow right now is just, I've just started in this school in the middle of the year. <laughs> and I am truly trying to just get a pulse and I think that just knowing the right time sometimes to take those leaps and take those steps and having that wisdom 
to know when to just jump or, you know, um, how to approach things and how long to wait. You know, I'm sure that's something that we all struggle with or question ourselves about, but not doing too much too fast, but also not going too slow and just having a nice pulse on things. First of all, I love, I love that answer, trying to, to read it and not, and trying to understand that each person responds differently. Every culture, every building needs something a little bit differently. Yeah. yeah. So you, you've mentioned a couple of times now this switching over to this new school. Mm-hmm. Full transparency. When I saw that you made the switch during the school year, completely intrigued by it. That when, <laughs> when, whenever somebody leaves a school, it's weird that we have these arbitrary dates and timelines in our heads about school and when shifts and changes are supposed to happen or when they typically happen, it, whatever, regardless. You made this transition during the school year. Mm-hmm. Was, do you feel like it was easier to do that? because you were able to, to say your goodbyes to the people that you were leaving and the people that you worked with during the school, you're supposed to just leaving during the summer. So more difficult, um, what led to it? Un- oh. Unpack all this for me. Cause I got so okay. many questions in my head. I know so many people have been curious about this. I left on great terms. I just want to start with that. I loved the school that I was at. I, um, it, the last, last week, last Thursday was my last day. And it was like, it felt like a funeral. I mean, it was a very, very, very hard, thing. And it was kind of a blind side because I wasn't necessarily looking to move. Um, this opportunity came up and it was just something I couldn't pass up. Um, and another thing is I've only been an assistant principal for a couple of years and I love my role, but I mean, I love this position that I'm in right now and I'm not trying to move up the ladder too quickly. And, uh, and I'm okay with that. You know, I'm not, I'm not looking for a principal job yet. Um, I love what I do. And my little girl is four years old. And I still want to be mom, you know, I mean, just bring it in my personal life. I don't want to take a job yet. That's going to take away from me getting to be mom, um, any more than it already does. So that was part of that. Um, I think it is, it was very hard to leave in the middle of the year. I don't know. Um, I don't have anything to compare it to, but it was hard. Um, and it's been kind of tough to start a new school in the middle of the year, you know, because there's already certain ways of doing things and certain things that have already been put into place, you know, that you didn't get to be a part of. And my, the principal that I'm working with now, he also just started at the beginning of this year, like the week before school started. So we're both new. So, but it's exciting. It's not a bad thing. It's just, we're, we're currently just kind of, you know, trying to get through this and, and figure out, you know, how we can best support the teachers. So I'm, I'm going to go a place I, I shouldn't go, but I'm going to go there anyway. Okay. Mom with a four-year-old girl. So let me set the stage for people that have maybe never seen me or don't know me. And they can't tell by my voice. I'm a 40 something year old white guy who uh-huh. throughout my career, I climbed the ladder. I was a teacher, assistant principal, principals, uh, multiple buildings, multiple States, assistant superintendent, all those things. Never once that I have anybody look at me and say, Dave, you've got four kids. Now is not the right time to do this. Dave, you've got three kids. You've got two kids. You've got one kid. Nobody ever looked at me and asked me those questions about how I'm finding that balance between being a dad and a professional. Never mm-hmm. had to worry about that because of I, I, the privilege of my who I am. Do you feel any extra pressure to play a certain role or to, to slow down or to even speed up because of the identity that you have or that other people project upon you? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've turned down several job opportunities, you know, and, um, and that's a huge honor, but you know, what we want for kids in our schools and what we want their home lives to be like, and what, you know, all of these things that we want for all kids, we've got to make sure that we're doing it ourselves first and that we can't let, we've got to have that balance of our jobs are so important, but our number one is to be mom and dad <laughs> at home, you know, and nothing can take, nothing can get in the way from that, of that. And nothing can, I cannot go back in time. And so, yeah, I have definitely, um, and it's a balance. I mean, I don't have it perfect right now, but I just know in my gut that it's not the right time yet to become, you know, to move up the ladder, um, quickly. It's just not the right time. And I'm, I'm very at peace with it. And, you know, I, I turned down a few opportunities recently and then this thing, this new job opportunity came up, same position. Um, but it was just an opportunity I couldn't pass up. And, um, so huge blessing and, uh, you know, good things come to those who wait. So I'm thankful. You You are, you are definitely a better person than I am. Um, you know, I, I was a teacher for one year and after my first year in the classroom, thought, oh, I can be an administrator. I can do this. Went out and got my master's right away and then just started trying to knock down walls to try to become uh, any kind of administrator. Ended up getting an assistant principalship and then started trying to knock down walls to become a principal. And I could never, never wait. And the grass was always greener somewhere else. And I felt like I had to constantly climb that ladder. Mm-hmm. I'm just now getting to that place where I'm able to sit and say, oh my gosh, what was I? I was constantly chasing the next best thing. Mm-hmm. I, I love the fact that, first of all, you added yeah. the word yet to your, your statement. So you're, you're not ready for it yet. So that's, that's awesome. I know that that's a dream or a goal, whatever that yet might lead to, but the contentment right now is, is amazing. And it's, it's so comforting to hear that. So, so I appreciate that. Well, and another thing is like, we, you know, in my job though, like I go full force, like into it, you know, whatever I'm doing, I am 100% in. And then after a few years, you know, it's like, man, you know, like, you don't want to get complacent. And so I'm thankful for this opportunity so that, I mean, I'm in a brand new challenge and I'm excited about it, but it's not moving me up the ladder yet. And so um, I'm just thankful. Everything's just falling into place really nicely. What is the biggest difference between this school and the other school? Ooh. um, Well, you know, I would say, where I was, was a very veteran staff. And this school has, we have 17 teachers who are in their first three years. And so that's been a big difference is that we had, um, we just, most of the people in the school I was previously at could have been my mom. <laughs> and now, you know, now that's not the case. And so I would say just the, the, um, the difference in the, di- the makeup of the staff would be a, would be a big one. And so being somebody that focuses so much on culture, how does that mm-hmm. impact y- y- what you do? I know you hinted at the idea of feedback and when to, when to push, when to pull, when to give, when to insert yourself. Yeah. So when you just look at some of the demographics of the staff and knowing that mm-hmm. you are the new person, but does, does that play into how you absorb yourself and become a part of the culture versus trying to shift the culture? Yeah. So I can give an example of that, of, yeah. you know, something I've just been like losing sleep over, man, what do you do? You come in the end of September, how do you handle this? And so we were getting ready to, you know, we were supposed to have data meetings on Monday this week, like two days ago. And my first day was on Friday. 
that, but it was on the calendar, going to have a data meeting. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know about this. <laughs> you know, like these people don't even know anything about me as a leader yet. You know, this just does not feel right to bring these teachers in here and start talking about data. And they don't even know anything about me as a leader. And so we did some rearranging and so that we could have a faculty meeting today, which I don't like to call them faculty meetings because, no, you know, if it's a meeting where it's a sit and get, put it in an email. But, you know, we need to have a culture building opportunity. And so um, this afternoon that we all came together and we call we have a new name for it. We're at Burleson Elementary and we're calling it Bil Building Burleson Meetings in, um, because we're, we're going to build culture. And so today they came in. And I had my jammy pack on. I don't know if you've seen that thing, oh, but it's a fanny pack. I am place all about a jammy pack. It, I had them outside at recess all the time. So bring it. Yes. I got to know what's on the playlist. Oh, we'll there in a second. Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. But these people have no idea what I want to see in their classrooms. And every time we get our staff together is an opportunity to model what we want classrooms to look like. And if we have a sit and get staff meeting, Let's not expect engagement in a classroom. That's you know, don't don't do it as a leader. If you if we can't have something engaging with our staff, don't expect it in the classrooms. And so they come in. We've got music going. We have food for them because food makes everybody happy. And we just had a good culture building afternoon of they get to learn a little bit about me and the principal, our backgrounds, what we're made of, what we believe in, and what we're excited to see. What, that, that, what they're made of, you know, and just some good, um, it was, you know, filled with some engagement, some talking, and then everybody, when they came in, they all had, they all had to give me a picture of themselves when they were a kid uh, the other day, and so I put it all together, and, and they all come in, and all of their pictures are on different tables, so they had to sit where their picture was, and the reason for that was because they weren't going to be able to sit with their grade levels. Because if we're building culture, we got to do it as one whole staff, not with not in islands, not in grade levels, not within the four walls of your classroom, as one staff. They all came in, find their seats, and they were excited about that. And then we did a quick who's who, um, where they had a competition. To, you know, they were given all the pictures and to try to figure out who was who. And so they competed for that for gift cards. And then that hour was just spent on, let me tell you a little bit myself about myself. Let me figure out a little bit about you. And let's figure out what we're made of this year. And we talked about the two most important traits that effective teachers hold on to are compassion and grit. And I think a lot of elementary schools are really good at the compassion piece, typically. A lot of secondary schools are really good at that grit piece, typically. But you got to mesh them both together because you got to have both to truly be effective. You can't just feel sorry for kids. You're not going to get them anywhere. So Boom. that's what today was about. That's amazing. And I, I know you, you talk about the idea that you're going to have these data meetings and, and a faculty meeting. Yeah. I, I think what you just did, you exemplified the data that matters most about people, right? You didn't have people come in and, and share their standardized test scores. You had adults sharing the stuff that mattered most to them, who they were as kids, who they are as people, yeah. what, who you are as people. I love it. Love it on so yeah. many different levels. So let's talk jammy packs real quick. People <laughs> that don't know jammy packs, we're, we're doing this. A jammy pack is a fanny pack, which they're cool. They're hip. It's got a speaker yeah, inside, absolutely. Bluetooth speaker that you can connect to your own playlist. So what, what kind of, what do you jam out to in your jammy pack? Are you a country? Oh, girl? listen, I mean, I can, but I kind of try to do a mix of stuff so that all generations can connect with it. Like we had a little bit of Bon Jovi today, but we also had um, a little bit of Beach Boys. So, there I mean, you, you know, wide span, wide span, walking on sunshine. I mean, you know, just a lot, a big mix of just good, good songs. Do you pull it out during the so, school day or is it an after school? Oh, party? Yeah. Okay. Oh 
oh, car line, going through the halls in the morning. Oh, yeah, like Cupid Shuffle is my jam with the kids. We are great at it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, Do people look at you when you do that kind of stuff and say, what are you doing? You're crazy. You're strange. Or are they just, that's Emily. That's who she is. (laughs) Well, they get there. Okay. (laughs) At first, though, no, they look at me like, who is this girl? I used to joke with the former school that I was at, the school counselor. I'll never forget the first time that I came down the hall with, they had never done anything like that before. And I just, it's the first day of school. I come down the hallway playing music and she's she's like, parents are coming through the school. I just wanted you to know, I'm like, great. I can't wait to meet them. <laughs> you know, just kept going on. And we joke about that now. And she ended up being one of the ones that would dance with the kids. But you know, it's just, sometimes it's that shock factor of what are we doing? And then we realize, Hey, there's not anything wrong with this. You know, it's just something different. There's nothing so, wrong with everything. Yeah, oh, definitely. oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, Emma, I'm going to ask you a question real quick. I'm going to warn you, this is probably the hardest question. You you said that there were some good questions earlier. This one's probably the hardest one. This is when I would do job interviews, when I would be trying to bring on new people to my staff, I would only ask two questions. Anybody else around the table could ask any questions they wanted to, but there were only two questions that mattered to me. First question I already asked you is who are you? What are you about? I just want to hear what, what makes people tick. But the next question I would ask is a little bit difficult, more difficult to answer. I have a feeling it's, you're going to be able to respond to this pretty quickly, but no pressure. Question is, at the end of the day, how do you know if it's been a good day or a bad day? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I would say that there are, did you find the solution? I think that's what, that's what can make a better day is we're going to be thrown all kinds of problems, <laughs> you know, um, with, with, in, from, things that kids are going through, parents being upset, you know, whatever it is, your lesson didn't go right uh, as a teacher, like, oh, that just flopped. So what are we going to do about it? That's, that's the number one thing is, okay, we all have bad days. So what now what? The now what is the part that matters? What are you going to do about it? And um, it's about finding the solution and trying something different, trying a new way and figuring it out because it's so much easier to give up. And just to say, well, that didn't work. And in that moment, we failed. So I would say the now what is the part that matters. Oh, I love and that's it. what makes a good day. Love it. So let me ask you the follow-up question. Are you a good okay. educator? Ooh. Um, well, I think that great educators um, have First of all, you don't, you don't have to be great. You don't have to be great. I just ask good. I mean, good. if you want to go great, okay. go, go right ahead. But Good. Okay. Let me scale it down. Good. Okay. I mean, good. Is that the same as average? I would hope I'm, I wouldn't, I strive for better than good. So I don't think good is good enough. Um, but every single day, I hope that I don't do anything that I wouldn't ask a teacher to do. And every single day, I hope that I have compassion and grit. And every day, I hope that I am humble enough to know when I've messed up and admit it. And, um, I think those, you know, I think those are the things that make us great is when we're willing to try again, when we're willing to know when we can, could have done better. And so it's not about being perfect and it's not about having being awesome at all times. It's just about constantly reflecting. So I would consider myself a re- very reflective person. You strike me as somebody that is constantly evolving, constantly growing. Yeah. Somebody that you look back, but simply so that you can move forward. Somebody that is pursuing greatness 
I'll say excellence for the sake of a, a good segue <laughs> here. When you look at a school, I asked, you know, what's a good day or a bad day? Are you a good educator? When we look at schools and we're, we're talking about the, the need to have excellent schools, describe to me, what is an excellent school? Mm. Um, I would say an excellent school is one that knows that it's kid-centered and one that knows that it is, exists for kids, not so that adults can have jobs. Uh, I think that an excellent school is one that's not filled with excuses and that um, is, is never going to settle for average. And I always, I like to say that if you wanna learn about the culture of a school, go to a data meeting because that's where you're really gonna learn the culture. So often I've been in a lot of schools in my career and I'll be walking the halls with another adult that, you know, maybe we've never been in that school before. And they'll say, oh man, this school just has a great culture because they're looking at the walls and they're seeing the cute artwork. That ain't culture. That's not culture. You're talking about morale. If the people are greeting you in the hallway, hey, good to see you. That's morale. Like, okay, that's great that people are happy and you've got pretty hallways, but that's not culture. If you want to know what a school is made of, go to a data meeting and listen to how they talk about the kids. Listen to how they talk about the kids. All right. Pandora's box was just opened on this one, Emily. You're going to tell me that data, how people talk about data helps inform you on whether or not a school culture is healthy. I know what you're saying, but there are other people out there mm -hmm. that are like, okay. you are crazy. You just lost it. I hate data. Yeah. I'm, I'm not talking about the numbers. Yeah. I'm not talking about the numbers here. Okay. So the numbers, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with us looking at numbers, but I'll, I want to look at individual kids. And what are we saying about individual kids? Because are we saying that Johnny didn't benchmark because he's special ed? Oh, he didn't benchmark, but he's EL. Well, if she would just get to school on time, she'd do a little bit better. Those are the excuse. It's what we're saying about the kids. Or if he could just behave, if he, if he could learn how to behave, it's what we're saying about the kids. And do we, are we solution oriented, seeking solutions or are we making excuses? And that's what you're going to find out in a data meeting. Okay. You're, you're bringing up some points here. And I want to, I want to go after these because I think you're opening up a, a lot of opportunities for conversation here. Okay. I'm a huge believer that labels limit. When we start throwing labels on kids or adults for that matter, all we yeah. do is put a, a, a box around somebody and say, this is the world that they can live in. We are in a world right now where it seems like everybody is forcing a label on somebody else. We're labeling schools. We're labeling educators. We're labeling students right now. How would other people label you? Oh, man. Um, you know, I would say... Um, mm, passionate. I think I'd be labeled as passionate and um, animated. <laughs> How many times have you seen my arm move? Um, I would say passionate, energetic, and I would hope they would say positive. They would say positive. <laughs> I, I would agree with all of those things. I would agree with all those things. Yeah. Um, do you still consider yourself curious? Oh, yes. Yes. What, what do you still want to know? What are you still trying to figure out? Um, I'm still, you know, one, every day I'm in the past several years. And um, I learned this. I, 
I don't know how much you follow that. I don't, I don't put a ton of this on social media because I'm not going to advertise this for the privacy of the families, but I go on a lot of home visits. And that's one of the things that I think can make the biggest difference is just, you're not going to learn people's real stories in your office because they're not going to feel comfortable. But if you go in their home and sit with them at their kitchen table, they're going to open up most likely, especially with your approach, they're going to open up. And so one of the things that I'm always curious about and, and um, trying to figure out more is why are, why is that kid or that parent the way that they are? And because I think if we begin to understand the why behind or teacher, I mean, it can be the teacher. It doesn't matter who it is, but I love to learn about why people are the way they are, what they're struggling with or, and the why behind it. Because when we know the why we can differentiate the journey. Now I'm not talking about the outcome because I want all kids to reach success, all kids, but we've got to differentiate the journey. Now, when we label kids, we change their outcome and we differentiate the outcome and we lower expectations of what they're going to be able to achieve. But if we understand why they are the way they are or what's going on in their lives or what's going on with the parent, we can differentiate that journey to help all kids get where they need to be and to reach, to reach their best. All right. I'm going to just throw this out here for you. I know you said okay. you got a four-year-old. You're you're not ready to start climbing that ladder yet. Would you consider running for governor or being secretary <laughs> of education? We'll just skip a few of the ladder rungs. Can you just like get to the top and make this the the platform for schools and education everywhere, please? Can you can you just do that? <laughs> Done. Okay. Sign me up. Done. Because because I mean, if I feel like at, at the very top, you control your own schedule, then you can still be there for for your little one. You, you can mm-hmm. look at look at you and you'll be like the the queen of the world in her eyes. So okay, <laughs> done, done. Governor of Alabama and or secretary of education. I'll let you choose if you want to stay home or if you want to move to D.C. But we need you. We need you oh. screaming these things from the rooftops. It, but you are you you are shouting these things from the rooftops. I mean, you're on podcasts, you're on social media. You've also got books. You've got a book out there yeah. right now that professes some of your thoughts and ideas. Talk about that a little bit for people. What is yeah. it about, and where can they pick it up? Okay, um, it is called Eyes on Culture: Multiply Excellence in Your School, and it is a series um, through Connect Ed Publishing that is um, owned by Jimmy Casas and Jeff Zoll. Um, but it's the first book in the series. And so it is all about school culture, all about it. And it, um, it goes with the four core principles that make up a school culture that are also in Jimmy's book, Culturized, about champion for kids, that we've got to expect excellence. We've got to carry the banner for our school and we've got to be a merchant of hope. And my favorite part about the book is that it is infused with so many stories about kids that I've gotten to work with in education and then, or even about teachers, you know, um, just stories that will touch your hearts and um, that have just a beautiful message in it because I love to, to, to make a point through a story. So you're going to find stories in every single chapter. Um, and another thing is about the book is that, you know, I think that oftentimes when we talk about growing culture, it's so easy to just work with the kids, but they're not the only link. Teachers, obviously, we've got to help. We've got to expect excellence of teachers and we need to be merchants of hope to teachers, you know, but the third one that is so often overlooked is parents. We overlook the parents. And the reality is that 
we are never going to be able to fully educate kids if we don't have parents on board. And we create excuses of parents just won't do. But I'm here to tell you after going on hundreds and hundreds of home visits in my career, yes, they will. Yes, they will. But they need to bond with you and click with you first and understand their purpose and they need support. And so if we want to fully educate kids, we've got to get parents on board. So throughout the book, you're going to hear that coming up over and over. Yeah, we got to reach the students. Yeah, we got to reach the teachers. But we also have to reach the parents here too. And here's how we can do it. I love it. First of all, the, the interweaving of stories, so powerful. Some of the, mm-hmm. the best teachers throughout the history of the world spoke in parables, metaphors, and stories. So kudos to you for recognizing that and embracing it. And as educators, you're spot on. You're right. We, we understand the power that parents have in the education of their kids. We, we know yeah. it because we blame them for everything that happens with kids. We say, yeah. oh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Or little Johnny acts like that because have you seen his dad? We know the influence that parents have. So if we are going to say that they have an influence, let's embrace it, harness it, and use it in the symbiotic ways that we can help them as they help us. It's that Jerry Maguire moment. Help me help you. That's what we need in education. Yeah. And uh, goodness, if we just reach out to them, you can create some touching, touching moments by just being able to bond with them and learning a little bit about their background. Because so often parents, you know, I don't like to, I'm not saying parents are doing the best they can. I don't believe that. Parents are doing a lot of times the best they know how. There you go. And that is something that we, it is such an opportunity to help them become their best because they're not their best yet, but don't miss that opportunity to help them. Um, and I forgot to say the book can be found on Amazon. Sorry. It's all good. I'm going to have it linked in the show notes for those that are overachievers and like to click the show notes and read those things. It'll be there people. So you can, you can click on it and grab it. But I, I, I love this concept this idea of just embracing and engaging with parents. It, there's so mm-hmm. much more that we can, we can talk about with that, but in, in the classroom, we know we're supposed to be focusing on those areas that have the biggest effects, the, the things with the biggest impact. And if we know that parents have a bigger impact, teachers, it's on you to make those connections. It's not just up to assistant principals. It's not just up to principals no. and curriculum directors and deans. And it's up to you. If you want to see big dividends in your classroom, if you want to truly change destinies, work with parents. They are yeah. one of the best resources that you have. And I yeah. love that you brought that out, Emily. And yeah. And one of the best ways to connect with them is not by making that negative phone call home first. There you go. There you <laughs> Let's go. have some positivity. So good. So yeah. good. So without, with all of this, I mean, we've, we've talked exit 351. We've talked books. We've talked about four-year-olds. We've talked about you being the governor. We've talked about a lot of uh, cool, cool things. But if you had the opportunity right now, imagine that the entire world is listening to you right now because you are going to be their leader one day. So they're all listening to you and they want to know what is the thing that they're supposed to be taking away. Imagine that you're standing on a stage, the entire world is listening and you're about to just walk off, drop the mic and, and leave. And they're not going to hear from you for a while. What is the thing that you want people to remember, to take away, to absorb or to connect to Emily Pascal today? Mm. Oh man, a couple of things. Um, so I guess the listeners, what I want you to do right now is I want you to stop and I want you to think about someone in your life as a child that made a positive influence and it cannot be your family and it cannot be God. So those are next someone that made a positive influence in your life. And I'm going to give you five seconds to think. Okay. If you're like me, it's likely a teacher. 
a teacher that you had, especially if you start making a list of names, it's going to likely be a teacher that comes up. Now I want to flip it. And I want you to think about someone as a child, not your family, that made a negative impact on the trajectory of your life that you look back on and have that memory of, and you know, it just stings a little bit. If you started writing a list of names, you would likely put a teacher. And same with me, you know, I remember that teacher that called me out for having the wrong answer when I was in middle school. And for years after that, I wouldn't speak up. And so the point of it is this, 60 years from now, someone else is gonna do this activity and your name is gonna be on somebody's list. And my question is this, which side? Which side, which list is it gonna be on? Is it gonna be the positive or the negative? And how are you impacting kids? And you need to remember that Schools do not exist so that adults can have jobs. Schools exist for kids. And every single day, we need to be doing whatever it takes to help kids reach success because it's not about us. It's about kids. Yeah, that'll do it. That is, that is a mic drop moment right there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Emily, I got to tell you, you are on, you're, I feel like Santa Claus right now. You are definitely on the good list right now. You, you, you nailed it with that. There's this conviction, you know, I think oftentimes we, we hear that teachers matter. We've, we've heard the, we've heard the challenge of think about the teacher that made the biggest impact on your life. But when you bring in that other element of teachers, you have an impact and it could go the other way as well. You have to think about mm -hmm. the words you use, the tone, the eye, got, everything it, that hits you and that, that mm -hmm. conviction and that power to, to reflect on the impact we're having. I, I'm hearing that loud and clear right now in my own world yeah. as a teacher as a dad, I'm hearing that as well. Yeah. So I, I appreciate that. Those are some strong and powerful words. Powerful. Thank you. So Emily, um, people are going to be buying your book. That's going to be linked in the show notes. How can they connect with you if they want to continue to learn and, and grow and experience your journey? Yeah, I am on Twitter and I'm on Instagram and I'm on Voxer. And um, the username is Emily A. Pascal for all Got three. It. Emily A. Pascal. Thank you so much for hanging out tonight, for, for making this happen. I know that you are super busy. Thank you for not just ending the interview right away when I creeped you out by saying I've been to your town 50 times. Thank you for indulging me. Thank you for edifying me a little bit, making me feel so much better right now, knowing that there are amazing educators like you out there in this world and just amazing people. Yeah. You are incredible. And I am so grateful to have spent the last 50 minutes just hanging out with you. You're a rock star. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for checking out this episode of the Lasting Learning Podcast. Your support means the world to me. I would love to continue to connect with you. Feel free to reach out to me at Dave Schmidto on all the things. Connect with me online at schmidto.net or shoot me an email, david.schmidto at gmail.com.